Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and special guest Allison Giddens here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Allison, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. We've got, uh, I'll tell you, we've set the bar high after last Tuesday's wonderful event. We got a lot of feedback on uh, you and me, the, the 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 quite the duo. We've got another big show here today, right? Yes, we do. All right. So, Allison, great show lineup today. We're talking about get this faster, cheaper, better. Who wouldn't raise their hands for that? Sign me up. Well, today's show, Allison, we're going to be sharing some effective ways that leading automakers and industrial manufacturers are implementing faster, cheaper, better successfully into their operations and overall enterprise. Allison, you ready? You ready for a great show here today? I am. I'm excited. All right. So folks, stay tuned as Joel Solomon and Carson Woodson will be joining us momentarily. And folks, get ready. We want to hear from you, too. That's one of our favorite parts. In addition to the knowledge that uh, Joel and Carson and Allison will be dropping on us. All right. So I want to welcome in our featured guests here today, Joel Solomon, Senior Director, Strategic Customers with SAP, and Carson Wutzler. Director, Enterprise Performance with Deloitte. Hey, hey, Joel, how you doing? Not so bad, Scott, and uh, thank you for having me, both you and Allison. You bet. Welcome, welcome. And Karsten, how are you? Hello, from my side. Doing good. Thanks for inviting us. Well, you bet. We got a great conversation, and so thanks to you both for being here. Uh, and we've got a lot of folks from Juan in Dubai, Kaya in Chicago, Lindsay from Grand, Ma Grand Rapids, Michigan, Paul up in Chicago. A lot of folks here already for a conversation around faster, cheaper, better. But before we get there, Joel, Carson, Allison, this is what I want to do. I want to have a little fun. I want to pose a little factoid with all three of y'all. So yesterday, that'd be June 5th, back in 1977, the iconic Apple II went on sale for the first time, right? Now, so for me... That is synonymous with the game Oregon Trail, which I played for hours and hours in elementary and middle school. So anytime I, I hear Apple II, I think of Oregon Trail. So for each of you, and Joel, I'm going to start with you. What is one 80s or 90s technology device that brings lots of memories to mind? Uh, I've got to go with the Sony Walkman, Scott. So that was uh, that was given to me on a birthday of mine, and uh, I took it everywhere with me, including to practice for my sports and just cool and everywhere else. So that was absolutely a game changer for me. And I was absolutely mesmerized by it. So Joel, that begs the question, what's one tune that you can still remember dancing to on your Walkman? <laughs> I don't want, I don't know if I have to admit this, but it was a tune from ABBA. <laughs> okay. Yes. What, was, I can was, see it. He was dancing it's, queen. <laughs> <laughs> so Joel, man. All right. We're going to have you back on supply chain nerds talk music. <laughs> Uh, in a future live stream. Uh, good stuff. Karsten, how about you? What 80s or 90s technology device comes to mind for you? Yeah, I fully agree with Joel. So the Walkman is one of the most recognizable elements of, this, of the past. It later changed to a Discman. Yeah, And uh, I walked outside just to use this device and come back at home and had some music and was really good at and i listened to europe final countdown not sure if you're familiar with the song but final? it was one of my favorites the first cd i bought and yeah of course karsten final countdown it's one of my son's favorite tunes of all time nice. uh so thank you for sharing karsten all right so a big music vibe so far in the show allison how about you all right so i was gonna say the ability to use like a tape to put into your tape deck in the car so that you could use your CD Walkman. <laughs> right. I was going to say that technology, but just to be different, how about that 1997, the release of the first Tamagotchi? Ah. Remember those stupid toys? <laughs> I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about memories. My sister and I, we would, we'd get those things and we would be so excited and they die in like three days because we forget to feed them. <laughs> So All right. It might, might, might be a reason I'm not a mother today. Is 
Those are like the, the electronic pets you're talking about, Allison, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I got you, man. That you is remember a, those things, right? I do. That's a pool. That is a. So get this, Allison, Joel, and Carson. So Jerry's talking about, of course, the VCR. VCR. That was an interesting VCR Betamax uh, 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 contest. Kaya, of course, a Macintosh computer. Yes, Claris Works was a big part of my high school experience. Juan, the scientific calculator. Oh, good point. Yeah. John Peterson, the Super Nintendo. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. All right. So we we could really reminisce for quite an hour, but we got a lot to get to here today. One, we got to sneak in one more. Amanda says the disc man was huge. Also, as a mom, the DVD player in the SUV. Yes, uh, strategic distractions. Just uh, strategic distractions, Amanda. All right. So Joel, Carson, Allison, a lot of stuff to get to. This is what I want to start with, though. Before we get into some of y'all's industry observations and and really proven best practices that you're seeing out in the industry. I want to give our audience a chance to get to know you, Joel, and Carson a little bit better. So, Joel, you've been moving some mountains in the industry. Tell us about yourself and your journey. Yeah, so uh, my name is Joel Solomon, and uh, I've uh, basically been in the procurement and supply chain practice for most of my life. I started off my career with Honda after I graduated uh, from my mechanical engineering, and I fell into procurement, and, and that's when I realized that this was an absolutely cool space to be in. I really loved the fact that I could interact with people, also mm-hmm. with uh, technical aspects of procurement and vendor development. And from there, I moved a few different roles as well and uh, moved countries. I moved from India to Australia, picked up my MBA, and also got certified in uh, supply chain through APEX. And okay. ended up working for a couple of mining organizations before coming back to automotive, where I was the head of uh, procurement for Volkswagen Group and APJ based out of Sydney, Australia. And uh, I love procurement. I love the power that you gave me as an individual, but also the fact that I could influence the world, uh, mm. influence people. And, and about five years ago, I moved to SAP on the other side of the spectrum uh, right. from buying to now selling, from beating up suppliers to actually getting beaten up by suppliers. Um, So it's been a great journey, and I've seen uh, some wonderful transformations uh, in my career, and uh, I'm also fortunate enough to work with clients and have the privilege of influencing their own journey. And uh, thank you for having us here, and love to be part of this session and share my experiences as we go along. Oh, Joel, man, you really, I love already. I can tell that you keep it real. You keep it real and you love what you do. Clearly you realized how cool procurement was long before the rest of the world did. Um, all right. So Karsten, same thing. You've been in industry. It's not your first, first rodeo. Tell us a little about your journey. Yes. Um, hello from my side. I'm Karsten working at Deloitte. I'm based in Germany in Munich. So I started after being Uh, graduating as an industrial engineer, equipped with some business backgrounds in administration. I moved to consulting and started uh, 17 years back in this uh, uh, exciting industry, uh, always being part of the operations and supply chain domain. And along this journey, I worked primarily for the automotive industry, which has been a big part of my professional career and took me to some interesting manufacturing locations. I had the privilege also to work for consumer goods and uh, industrial products companies, high tech and some medical device uh, clients. Yeah? My focus has always been on enterprise performance and the supply chain management. And most of my projects are really around business process transformation, end to end optimization, performance management and of course, uh, digitalization. And uh, mm. over the years, the procurement area has also gained my attraction and I really got expertise in categories and did some sourcing optimization work and acted as a negotiation trainer. And actually this expertise brought me to my first US related procurement project where I was uh, part of uh, a sourcing program for beer ingredients and packaging. And someone on the project thought it would be a good idea to invite some person from the beer drinking nation, Germany and uh, <laughs> lift, the, lift the credibility of the team. And uh, it was really a fun, However, the market demand for automotive and complex manufacturing topics is much higher. And so I met Joel and SAP a long time back and happy to be here in the supply chain community as an expert and share my expertise. Karsten, I love that. And beer drinking helps any negotiations. Is that right, Allison? <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I, I guess I'm not a beer drinker. I'm a, more of a vodka person. But I mean, <laughs> I'll hang out and watch you drink beer. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, clearly... 
tons of uh, expertise and experience and a nice sense of humor. Both of y'all fit right in, kindred spirits. Now, okay, one last comment before we keep driving here. So our dear friend Tim Porterfield says, Allison, got to know your first CD. Allison says, Veruca Salt. How about that? I remember when that uh, album came out back in the day. 90s grunge. Yeah, 90s yeah. grunge. Not quite as cool as ABBA, Joel. Not quite as cool. <laughs> no. But uh, no. all right. So clearly musical is going to be a big overarching theme here today. All right. So Joel, Carson, and Allison, this is where we'll go next. Really want to set the table for our conversation. You know, this is a, you know, there's no easy times, right? In global supply chain, right? Disruption, it comes with the territory. Curveballs keep coming around the corner. So I want to get a couple observations from both of you. And Joel, I'm going to start with you. In terms of current priorities for business leaders, regardless of the sector, what do you see in uh, business leaders gravitate to and prioritize? I'd probably think of three themes that come to my mind, Scott, as we talk to business leaders from around the world. I do have a global role, so I do have the opportunity and privilege of talking to different business leaders across industry segments. The themes are resilience, technology, and sustainability, right? Mm -hmm. So if I talk about the first one, resilience, and no doubt it's a corporate buzzword, right? But if you strip away the hype around it, it becomes real. And, And I really like the definition of the word as per the dictionary, right? It says the capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. Mm. So resilience is emerging as a vital muscle for companies to deal with endless volatility and disruption, right? So we've had the pandemic where companies were expected to move much faster than before, become much more agile than before. And now we have inflation, which seems to linger around for, for a long time. And so, hence, how do you recover as a business? And this is one of the key themes in terms of resilience, right? How do you build a resilient business? And how should leaders go around looking at this aspect? Second aspect is technology, of course, right? So you have technology that's widely available. And uh, this is true for exploiting any new business opportunity out there that you need to consider technology. It's true for non-tech companies that are making the shift to put software at the heart of business, as much as it is true also for mature organizations that are trying to get maximum value from their digital transformation. So technology is there, but how do you leverage it and how do you employ it to give you the best bang for your buck, but also to get your organization to move ahead and become competitively much superior than your competition? So that's how technology comes into it the theme of what's on business leaders' mind. And then the third, it is definitely one that is bandied around all around the world in any conversation, sustainability, right? So as much as it is, it's a fancy word that's thrown around, it is become a core business topic of strategic relevance. And what does that do? It, it makes businesses look at your business in a completely different way than before, right? So Going into the future, there's two realities. One is you will have sustainable businesses and the other is you have no businesses because it's so important. And why is it important? Because our expectations as stakeholders, be it a consumer, be it an employee or investor or customers, we demand to work with sustainable businesses, right? So that's the trend and people are getting more conscious in terms of what you buy. The shoes that I'm wearing is 100% sustainable. And so I make it a conscious effort to look at clothing or any of the stuff that I invest in or buy for my own use to think about, okay, is this come from the right source? And so technology can be a great enabler and accelerator for us and the businesses to achieve these goals. So these are the three key themes that I pick up on as I talk to customers around the world. Wonderful. And, you know, Allison, if Greg were here, he'd be talking about the power of the and, right? Resilience and technology and sustainability. You can get all three. All right, Karsten about you and when it comes to what business leaders, what they're prioritizing out there, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, Joel spoke uh, also a bit about the business resiliency and I want, want to add my view on supply chain resilience as a topic. So we are doing regularly pulse checks with our clients uh, about the supply chain and they are still facing the disruption in their business in the early year and uh, more half of the year um, uh, it went a little bit well. They are experiencing still this disruption and then it's clearly far from over. Yeah? And despite there's a trend of normalization, now it's shifting to one of the scarcity of the rising prices and expenses. So it's a challenge for, for all companies uh, in terms of uh, revenues and profit. Yeah? Mm. When it comes to technology, I want to 
a little bit uh, push the, the spotlight to smart factory and operations. So manufacturers still are progressing in this area yeah, because they see it as a source of future competitiveness. Yeah, They're investing in, in those technologies like cloud, edge computing, 5G, and so on within the manufacturing space. And it's really that they are applying things and the leaders are bringing this technology also to their partners uh, in the ecosystem. Yeah. And the third topic um, I want to um, add is talent and workforce. Yeah? When I talk with my clients, they also uh, have a long-term view on this and they are a little bit worried about their workforce, the number of open positions, they are facing a tight labor market, uh, workforce churn and so on. So it's uh, a change for them. And despite of the, the high level of new hires, job openings and so on, it's still a challenge. Yeah. And um, yeah, this creates some limitations in the supply chain for sure and uh, reduces operational efficiency and margins. Yeah? Yes, Karsten creates some limitations, also is powering some opportunities and lots of innovation. You know, Allison, when you think of the two to three that Karsten shared, rise in prices and, and workforce concerns and challenges, uh, any thoughts on your side, Allison? That's that, that common theme of resiliency kind of tying it all together. It's It's been fascinating over the past few years to watch almost the evolution of the supply chain or the the maturation of the supply chain. It's like we just, we have new problems. It's not mm. like it's, you know, it's the same problems. It's it's new, but that key of resiliency spread across everything from the sustainability to the workforce. We have to learn that there are going to be problems every single day. It's not a matter of avoiding the problem. It's a, it's a matter of how are we going to address it? Right. That's right. Keep on coming. And as, as uh, the great, the late uh, Sandra McQuillan said, uh, yes, there are finish lines, but they, they come with a starting line right right uh, in short order, right? Uh, celebrate the wins, but there's always more challenges uh, to come. Nice, nice, nice to said, Allison. Um, okay, so we're going to shift gears here, and we're going to be talking about one of Joel's, maybe Carson too, a topic that I know is going to get Joel ready to dance like he's <laughs> listening to Abba on that Walkman back in uh, the late 80s. So the land, we're going to be talking about the land of procurement, the wonderful world of procurement. So um, Carson, let's start with you though. We're going to, we're going to give Joel a chance to uh, compile his thoughts. So Carson, when we think of some trends, issues right now, that are really important in the procurement space to identify for our audience, what comes to mind, Carson? Uh, the first one I see is really the increasing criticality of procurement. Yeah, so the CPOs reported the high inflation pressures as the number one risk to the organization, and they are the forefront of fighting this uh, topic. Yeah, they still have the cost pressures, the saving captures, and driving more value over the the full life cycle of the cost and goods services. So this is the evergreens in procurement. Yeah, so. And uh, the landscape of a CPO is really extending because now you have also these geopolitical forces uh, that it makes it more complex. In Germany, uh, I heard the word of friendshoring, which refers to the region that suppliers are based and are politically aligned with the company's uh, home country in terms. So security supply is also a hot topic and uh, to lock in really the supply from the trusted uh, supply partners you have in your network. Yeah? The second one is really need for orchestration. Yeah, it's not just one priority uh, in procurement. It's also uh, the procurement operating model, investment in talent, turbocharging the digital transformation, and uh, to remain really agile and efficient over over the, the years to come. Yeah, and this is a balance between the traditional cost focus you have and other emerging topics. And I would uh, add also this. Uh, uh, sustainability and, and corporate social responsibility to this. Huh? Um, it's a good point to mention. It's significantly in getting important. So 90% of, uh, of the clients, they see really that customers are seeking uh, where to spend money that is really aligned with their values. Companies need to embrace the challenge to the pathway to net zero, to a circular economy, to really avoid the competitive disadvantage that might result from being not part of the journey or being engaged as others. Yeah. Mm. So, Carson, I want to go back to an earlier point you made about orchestration before I come to you, Joel, and Allison, let me get your take. I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, there's a there's a little, <laughs> I won't say stick, but there's a little device that a maestro has for a symphony, right? I'm not sure what those are called. Allison, you're smiling. Maybe you can you can you can tell me what it is. But it's almost like whatever that thing is called, that supply chain practitioners as they come in, 
That's one of the things they're given as they, as, as they embrace the role of orchestration. As Carson's become one of our favorite words around here. Allison, your quick comment before we move to Joel and get to, get his take on what's going on in the world of procurement. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm seeing it on, on the end of being a manufacturer for sure. It's, it is about, I mean, in, in the micro world of things, I'm dealing with parts that have to be sent to an outside processor, but before we send them to one, it has to go to a certain other one. But in order for that, the second person to have them, then they mm. have to be well aware of what happened to the first batch of processes. So there's there's all these things that we, I think, have taken for granted for so long that we're starting to realize now that, wow, if everybody is on the same page, life goes a lot easier. Ah. So I, I think there's that that orchestration, like you said, that's yes. uh, it's been key to a lot of the success. So, Joel, I'm, I'm told an excellent comment, Sarah, Allison. I'm told by um, uh, Donna, Catherine, Amanda behind the scenes, helping to make production happen. Thank you very much. That a conductor stick is a baton is what I'm thinking <laughs> of, Joel. So I'm learning something new every day. Uh, but it paints such a uh, such a perfect supply chain image in my mind. But, Joel, commenting on that, what Carson said, what Allison said, or you know, tell us about some of the things you're identifying in the wide world of procurement that more members of our audience need to know about. It's funny you mentioned baton and supply chain in, in the same breath because baton is also used at the relay, right? So when you run relays, you exchange uh, the baton and that's the link to the supply nice. chain going, you know, seamlessly. Yes. So there you go. Yes. Baton can be used in more than one ways and fits aptly with supply chain. Maybe you should have a logo called baton as part of your supply chain now or something. Yeah, Ooh, anyway, yeah, let's, can we, can, yeah let's trademark that. Four of yeah. us. Let's go in on Lis this. Yeah, listeners, yeah. audience members, uh, that's ours. You can't take that. You can't take that. Joel, yeah. lots of brilliance there. Yeah. All right. Cool. Please continue. So, thank you. Coming back to what's happening in the land of procurement, I know Carsten touched on some high-level strategic focus of uh, procurement leaders. I'm going to kind of bring it down a notch to operational excellence, right? So, what we're seeing happening in, in, in procurement landscape currently is four key themes. One is driving supply performance and taking the partnership to the next level. Second is category management. Third is becoming more customer-centric as a procurement organization. And fourth is sustainability within the scope of procurement. So when I say drive supply performance and take partnership to the next level, so this is absolutely important, critical, right? So when, since I've been a buyer, I've always believed that a supplier is not just an external party providing goods and services. They are absolutely core to your success. I've lived that. And when I've had teams, I've always told my buyers, treat them with respect, treat them as a peer because your right. their success is your success and you're intricately linked with each other. So important thing is driving suppliers and holding them accountable to the next level of Mm. delivery of whatever that is that you've committed with each other, but also taking the partnership to the next level. So which means treating them as peers and investing in them and making sure that they understand it's not just a power treatment where the buyer comes and beats the supplier, but it is actually a win-win for both parties. When I was working for Honda, Scott, so we had this beautiful concept that we were trained on. It was called Gemba, right? So Gemba means an actual place of work where work happens. Right. So we would go out and visit the supplier locations to actually see how they're doing, what is the infrastructure like, what's the management like. So you have real feeding and connection with the supplier. So this is something that I've carried on and that I practice and also impart every given opportunity saying, know your supplier. That's the best way of having the best supply experience. Mm. Coming down to category management. Yep. Category management has ex existed for several decades now in one form or another, right? So... We spend, organizations typically spend tons of money with consultants to come and tell them exactly what they know and they leave them with a deck, with a PowerPoint that typically sits in a drawer somewhere or put in some shared folder somewhere to be forgotten, but to be taken out during annual review saying, look what I've done, it's an amazing piece of paper. But today we have technology. So you don't have to have this category plan strategies on a piece of paper or on a deck, but you can actually deploy it onto a platform with the help of software and use it on an operational basis. So, for example, the category strategies, the innovators, and the triggers for the category or the savings or targets that you've set can actually be right. operationalized in the system. So this is where buying organizations and suppliers can take a lot of leverage and benefit from the category management. Third mm -hmm. is customer-centric. Procurement organizations have to become customer-centric in order to serve your own 
stakeholders internally within your organization at a much superior level. And the reason for that is today we all have thousand different apps that we go to and we buy services and goods. It's so seamless, so intuitive at the click of a button, you have your service. When we come into organizations, the end user expects the same thing of procurement organizations saying, give me a tool, give me a platform that's easy, intuitive, attractive right. enough for me to use. So that is becoming a huge topic where procurement has to really deliver a customer-centric experience for their own internal stakeholders and their suppliers. Finally, sustainability. Sustainability, when you drill it down and start capturing sustainable sustainability fields or data in a specific way, each organization has their own different ways and everybody's struggling. We had an automotive roundtable in Waldorf last month and yeah. we had some of the biggest names in automotive turn up in Waldorf and we had a two and a half day workshop. One topic was sustainability. Everybody wants to capture sustainability data so they can improve their supply chain and look at green initiatives, but they don't know where to start. It's too big, mm. too complex. So one of the key things is use technology to start small. Start somewhere so you can then start expanding as you learn, as you grow, and then you can have a really good roadmap for you to capture your sustainability data. So these are some of the key themes that is relevant in procurement these days. Yeah, well said, Joel and Karsten. Allison, I want to I come back to something that Joel said about halfway through his last response. And the Gimba, going to the Gimba, right, where that value is created. Uh, you know, all the leaders that we have you know, interviewed now, over, you know, approaching, I think, 1,300 episodes, um, whether it's in retail, where you're going to where your store uh, associates are and learning what they see on their, right there on the front line, or if it's a manufacturing site, you're going where folks, you know, where things are being made. That's where some of the best innovative growth ideas come from. Allison, your quick comment there. I think it all ties back to what Karsten talked about earlier with the workforce challenges. I think that if, if we can hone in and really make the most out of the opportunities that we see within Gemba, then we are therefore fostering our current workforce. We're mm. retaining employees. We're attracting people to come work for us. Because especially with this next generation, the next two generations entering in, into the workplace, they're not driven by the same things that we all were. And this ne these next generations, they're driven by sustainability. What are we doing for the planet? What are we doing for the next generations after them? They're driven by what is my work today? Mm. Why does it matter? Why would I work eight to 10 hours to go home, cook dinner, fall asleep and do it all over again? <laughs> like they want meaning they want. And mm, I purpose. think that is, those are key places to find this. Beautiful. Allison, love that. And also I liked how Joel mentioned that using technology to find that, that simple starting point, right? Get that done. And then you can layer on that. That to me, that is a more purposeful application of, of technology, right? Rather than just getting the latest and greatest and throwing the fence to the team and, and doing oh, it, yeah. doing things to your people rather than with them. Yep. And, well, and there's psychology behind that too, with those little wins. I mean, that's how you keep motivation right. going is you, you have many goals and you have these many mini KPIs that you can say, okay, we did this. Now let's see what happens when we do this. Yes. Okay. Allison, Carson, and Joel, we're going to, we're about to walk through four more specific opportunities. Uh, but before we do, I want to share just a couple of quick comments. So my man, Alan, Jacques, Hat was going to save me in addition to everyone else with the baton, right? The, the, <laughs> the instrument that the, that the maestro uses to conduct the orchestra. Also known as our new company, the four of us. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. We have attorneys waiting to help us with incorporation after the show. Kaya is a big fan of the Gimba as well. I think many of us are, uh, right? Now, Jerry says, maybe we have time to touch on this later, but Jerry talks about uh, how procurement groups use soft criteria, meaning reputation, flexibility, history when making decisions on procurement, because as he adds, things that are important, but can be hard to put empirical data on. That's a great, great comment there, uh, Jerry. All right. So Joel and Karsten, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of, we're halfway through the show. A lot of this has been good news, at least to my ears, right? But there's more, right? Faster, cheaper, better. We're going to be picking your brains uh, on four specific opportunities when it comes to what you're seeing out there and what's the art of the possible, the really real tangible art of the possible. So Joel, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about optimized product launches, launches. I keep wanting to say product launches. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, I need to tweak that. Are you that. hungry, Scott? Are you hungry? <laughs> that must be it, Allison. That must be it. 
optimized product launches and ongoing procurement of highly engineered parts. So Joel, tell us more. Yeah, so this is an absolutely interesting and fascinating topic, uh, Scott, and, and particularly relevant to automotive and uh, IMNC industries. Think of, you know, uh, an, an automotive company launching new products, new cars or new trucks or whatever they are, or IMNC industries like launching a new washing machine, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Different models of it over the next few years. So this is, again, I mean, where the genesis of this came from in terms of the procurement planning, what we call as procurement planning, for product launches, new product launches, this is a great story of co-innovation with our customer. SAP didn't think of this solution from where we stood, right? Because right. we're far away. We're not necessarily close to every single action that ha- happens at customers. But when customers open up their doors and explain to us their business process and tell us, hey, there is a gap, especially where we have a huge high-level project planning for new vehicle launches, And out of this high-level project planning, which happens at an organizational level, then comes the procurement activity where you have to start sourcing and collaborating with engineering and planning and logistics and quality to go and source parts from the outside. There was a gap in terms of the planning. So effectively, that gap was being filled out or bridged by manual documentation, tons and tons of Excel spreadsheet, SharePoint, decks, and all kinds of things. So Volkswagen said, would you be able to kind of, you know, help us bridge the gap between the overall organizational planning and the procurement plan. So SAP invested a lot of time with Volkswagen in terms of creating this beautiful solution, which we call procurement planning, which ties into the organizational planning level for new product launches. So it helps both the project teams that comprises of buyers, engineers, logistics, quality, finance and controlling, everybody to come together, understand the project through the same lens, and then break it down in terms of the engineering bill of material that we have, break down the bill of material completely at a part level, and then plan for activities at a part level in terms of sourcing. So what happens is there's a continuous flow from your organizational planning to your procurement planning, and then to sourcing. And then it goes across until you've sourced the part, selected the supplier, and then you start consuming the part. And there's also feedback mechanism in terms of information flow backwards and forwards, which means there's a constant set of transparency that is built into the platform and single data flow that is connected end to end. So all party mm. parties that are involved in a project have the same information and a decision can be made really, really quick in a timely fashion, eliminating a lot of waste. So this is, right. this is where this particular feature has come in in terms of planning around new product launches and helps the engineering changes and to control it better and manage it better. Yes, Joel, not only enabling fast decision-making, but good, effective, optimized decision-making in addition. Now, I'd also add uh, that gap in the planning that you spoke about, right? Folks using lots of spreadsheets. They're using duct tape, band-aids, whatever it took to bridge that gap. And there is a better, certainly a better way. All right, let's switch gears. Karsten, I want to talk about something that we've touched on quite a bit in the first half of the show here today, supplier collaboration that truly fuels innovation. Carson, tell us more. Yeah. So supply chain management and in specific, the supplier management is a well-established practice. Yeah? So all organizations seek to extract most of their commercial relationships and when well done, effective sourcing and negotiation and this contract management are really part, uh, core tools in your procurement toolkit. Yeah. When it comes to deepening supplier relationships and increasing collaboration, those are the both teams that CPOs worry about. It's a top strategy to really deliver the most of the value. And uh, across 40 countries, uh, they are saying it. So really, it's a high visibility on board level when you talk to the leaders in procurement. And it's no surprise because uh, it's critical for assurance of the supply given the recent disruptions. And for those that are not prioritizing, it might want to think about twice before doing it uh, in an improper way. And when you move up the maturity curve of an organization, you see some increased level of sophistication to bring more parties involved and more suppliers together and then make it really part of the strategy. And uh, industry leaders, for example, they have been successful in piloting and expanding applications for a digital collaboration between those parties. Like, for example, SAP's supplier quotation management, which is a self-service portal where you see your RFPs, 
you can hand in your quotes, you can upload your documents like certificates or whatever you feel um, that is necessary within the sourcing. And also really bring in some innovative ideas so that you, are, you have this interaction with your suppliers. And uh, there's also the level beyond this, like the innovation hub and the processes you need to really bring ideas to your company and into real life. Yeah? And this is the key thing in, in, in supplier collaboration. And of course, it goes to sustainability, ESG-focused collaboration, really that you, you start reducing scope three emissions in your supply chain. Yeah? And from my perspective, all those collaborations should be built on a win-win mindset that brings rewards for all parties. And technology is really an enabler for this. And if the suppliers are bringing innovative ideas to you, you are doing it right. That's my perspective. Yeah. Karsten, a lot of goodness. And Alison, I'm going to get you way in here. But a, a couple of things I want, to, I want to call out of Karsten's answer is that digital collaboration, it's, it's become table stakes, right? And it's helped. You know, one of the things that has emerged from the pandemic for sure is you've got to be a good customer these days, right? Suppliers have more and more choices and how we leverage digital platforms and, and how we bake that into our digital transformation allows us to be a much better customer and creating truly the win-win-win scenarios rather than the cliche version of that, that Carson and Joel both have, have been touting the value of. Allison, speak to uh, working with your suppliers. Yeah, no, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. There's, We had a customer recently come to us and ask us for our opinion on something. And I was floored because this particular customer is a very large customer and they don't really need my tiny little company. I mean, if they decided <laughs> tomorrow they could go somewhere else, they could. And they asked for our opinion on something. Mm. And it was something that has really been a piece of the grief in, in the supply chain, the manufacturing process. And so I found myself sitting down and spending many hours on mm. feedback and turning around and saying to them, hey, I'm, I'm happy to volunteer my time further to have more of a conversation and help come up with, with ways to fix this. And it, it was funny because the unintended consequence was now they wanted to work with us more because we were open to wanting to help them with their process, recognizing it was going to ultimately benefit us. To make our lives a little easier. So I, I think this the collaboration piece, if we can all work together on the stuff that used to be really complicated and streamline that, yes. then it opens ourselves up to be able to do new hard stuff and really set ourselves apart. Yes, Allison. And one of the things I heard there is it's time, it's long past time to have different conversations with yes. your suppliers and customers because if if they're unaware, if left hand is unaware of what the right hand is great at or struggles at or whatever, there's great wins there to be had for the whole ecosystem. All right. So I want to share a quick comment here for Sylvia Judy. Great to see you, Sylvia. Supply chain management is definitely a high priority in, in, in any organization that wants to sustain, I'll add, endure, win, succeed, you name it. Absolutely. And Sylvia, safe travels to wherever you are in your journey. Um, okay, Joel, getting back to you. Let's talk about better material costs management. Tell us more, Joel. Yeah, this is uh, this is a really interesting topic for procurement folk and for organizations, right? So when you associate cost management, you automatically think of driving down costs and I'm, I firmly believe that it is not about driving aggressive competition with your suppliers or twisting the arm of a supplier to reduce your cost. I suppose it should be a new way of doing things. It's about using data, intelligence, mm -hmm. and transparency to remove waste, to make timely decisions and become more effective and efficient in utilizing the resources and technology available to you to achieve a better approach to cost management, right? So... Think about manufacturing organizations. There's deeper supplier co collaborations that is necessary. We've been talking so much about how do you bring in suppliers. And we also had a comment from one of the audience members saying, what about the softer features of treating suppliers with respect? And then actually engaging them in conversations and then giving them the time and place to input and contribute to ideas. Uh, so that partnership is absolutely key for you to get a really good outcome to cost management and keeping all parties happy. And it is also important to understand, you know, procurement intersects with different organizations. They work with engineering, work with planning, work with logistics and manufacturing. So it's the, it's about the end-to-end -end approach. It's not just one dimensional of reducing cost via sourcing activity or running an RFP or a tender. 
It is about the connectedness of it, working with all the different stakeholders, and then coming up with the best outcome that in the end becomes a win-win. So your suppliers are happy and you're happy as an organization and you can both be successful together. I love that. And and uh, Joel, that perfectly, I, I, I like John Peterson's comment here. Supply chains are becoming more collaborative versus adversarial. I, I agree, John. I agree. And I, I also believe that, that digital collaboration, how we engage uh, technology in a very practical, powerful, uh, purposeful way helps enable this shift, massive shift that's taking place. Allison, comment uh, on what we heard there from Joel. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of that. The it, There are a lot of, of old standards or old ways of, of doing things that I think it's been hard to get out of. So, for example, in uh, aerospace work, an AS9100 and ISO, quality management system standardization and certifications, there's a requirement that requires you to basically send scorecards to your suppliers and to mm. rate them and to manage the risk and, and all of this. And the old way of doing things, it used to be very, you know, in your mind's eye, you could say, okay, well, you were late half the time. So I'm going to give you a 50% and you know, right. your quality was this and your quality. And I, I found that when we would do those things, all we would do is make enemies. All we would do is make it so these people didn't want to do business with us. And so I think by thinking different ways of, yes, you can still do things by the book. You can still have your standards and score and manage the risk like you're supposed to within your supply chain. But instead of just carte blanche making a 50% score, talk about the relationship itself with that supplier. Talk about the, you know, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to add, I think to somebody's point, it's hard to score kind of your, your um, subjective things rather than your objective KPIs. Mm. Think about the relationship itself and figure out ways to score that. Mm. Maybe that 50% is now a 90 or maybe it's a, maybe, maybe there's no percentage. Maybe there's a, Hey, looks like we need to improve on, on the delivery time, but man, this, this supplier is great to work with because they always answer the phone, you know, and, and make those kind of comments the, the supplier relationship piece, I think cannot be understated. Yes. More holistic is one of the things I'm yes. hearing from you as well. Hey, Scott, can I just comment on the previous comment that you flashed up on the screen where you said Please. supply chains are becoming more collaborative rather than adversarial? I would take it a step forward. Thanks, John, for that, for that observation. I would even take it a step forward and say even competitors are becoming more collaborative rather than adversarial. So when we had this automotive roundtable in Waldorf last month, like I mentioned, we had the likes of BMW and Mercedes, Ford and Volvo cars stand around the table in front of a whiteboard talking about their business processes and challenges. That was absolutely mind-blowing and powerful, right? So, of course, there's a sense of confidentiality that goes into such conversations, but for them to open up and discuss the challenges together to build a potential outcome and solution together that could satisfy all their needs is just brilliant. And this is where the world is moving, where it's more about collaboration rather than adversarial and trying to get a leg up. So, Joel, I love that perspective. And who knows, maybe the Cola Wars will be over soon as well. Get everyone, all those folks around a table. That might be a bridge too far. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So, one, we have one last, I, I promise, four specific opportunities, uh, right, where there is a, a better way. Carson, you get the last one. You're cleaning up hitter here. We're talking about leveraging ERP to uh, gain more supply chain flexibi uh, flexibility. Carson, tell us yeah. more. So in order to achieve more supply chain flexibility, companies need to really revisit their supplier segments and ensure that they align with this traditional measures of contract spend, volume, complexity, as well as uh, have a complete view on the business criticality and risk exposure of, of their partners. Yeah? Procurement teams need to identify where supply chain redundancy must be built into these operations and based on demand fluctuation or supplier risk, what they have. Yeah? And the reliance on single sources for their critical inputs must be minimized. And therefore, supplier base needs diversification to get ahead of those potential bottlenecks. And this is where technology and ERPs kick in. So they are digital backbone of the processes, of the capabilities like sourcing execution, purchasing and compliance, supplier collaboration, intelligence, spend and analytics. Systems must be set up that, that those sourcings can be started quickly once those supply chain challenges become visible. The buyers, they expect that the data they have, like supplier lists, demand figures, pricing conditions, are really put into the sourcing on a click of a button. And those systems need to handle what we call supply chain flexibility. 
For example, if you're running competitive sourcing and you're following a dual sourcing strategy, the ERP systems must handle this quotation and the quota behind between those suppliers and transfer to purchase orders or contracts at all. Yeah? And the whole process needs to be supported by strong automation and integration capabilities. Yeah? Another part I'd like to mention is uh, the transparency on supply chain data that really sits into these uh, ERP systems. This is the basis for, let's call it a supply chain control tower where you can steer your supply chain and understand really on a very operational level what is going on in terms of su supply chain flexibility. And modern supply chains, they have become more complex, multi-tiered, increasing reliant networks, third-party risk incidents. They can really, they doubled over the last five years, so to say, and really have having showed that this single isolated problem can bring a global supply chain to an halt is really frustrating, so to say. And that's why you need technology as really a backbone for this. And as a summary, I would say procurement and the technology is really a competitive advantage. Yeah? The future will be smarter, more agile, more tech-enabled one that eliminates non-value activities and make decisions more fact-based and faster. Karsten, I like the pick the, the future that you paint. Uh, got a little Picasso going there. And and it's technology is inseparable from that, right? One of the one of the elements you added. All right. So for the sake of time, and by the way, folks, we've got Karsten and Joel. They're in the great uh Detroit. Uh, what a great American city as they're engaging and 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 talking with members of the automotive industry. So you may notice that uh we're gonna get quite we're gonna get the highlights. Uh, the Joel and Carson Roadshow. That's going to be the next uh, the next episode here at Supply Chain Now, perhaps. But Joel, as we start to wind down, come down the home stretch of today's show, I want to pose a, uh, an interesting question to you. So when should business leaders reach out to SAP, not just to learn more, but maybe to do more? Joel, your thoughts? Yeah, Scott. I mean, look, uh, SAP is known as uh, the most advanced ERP software organization in the world, right? So that's just the core of who we are, but we have so many different line of business uh, solutions that plug and play with the core, the heart of the ERP, like procurement and supply chain, human capital management, and you have analytics and digital boardroom, and you have uh, digital supply chain and the likes of it. So in terms of SAP, we're here to talk to our customers, to understand what their challenges are and how they need help or information, right, or education, whatever the case is, and especially when we drill it down and talk about the area that I'm currently operating in, in terms of automotive and IMNC procurement solutions, we've launched this SAP product sourcing suite, and we have a link that we can share with the customers as well. And then this is something, it's a video, the customers can go through it. And if it is helpful, we are open to having conversations and coming and talking to you, would be most glad and grateful for the opportunity to engage with the customer base. And I can tell y'all, you will enjoy it. I've enjoyed the pre-show conversations. I've enjoyed this conversation with uh, Joel and Karsten and always Allison. That goes without saying. Uh, so, and he mentioned it. So Joel mentioned a video. So Joel and the SAP team have brought a really neat resource to the table. A brief video, as he mentioned, that illustrates SAP's product sourcing solutions. So y'all can check that out. So we've got a link in the cheap seats in the gallery in the vip lounge i think is, a, is a allison uh the word you, you coined there you want to click away from checking that out and i want to add uh rutnesh adds a great comment here it's all about visibility collaboration platforms capturing every supply chain event and making it visible to get back to that faster better decision making that joel carson and allison all have spoken to here today um, okay, so Allison, I am going to get your key takeaway here today. But before we do that, uh, I know everybody is, uh, it's a busy, what is today? It's a busy Tuesday on everybody's schedule here today, right? But we want to, we'd be remiss if we didn't make sure folks knew how to do just that. Reach out to Joel, have those conversations. For that matter, reach out to Karsten, have those conversations. So Joel Solomon, Senior Director, Strategic Customers with SAP. How can members of our esteemed audience connect with you? Scott, of course, LinkedIn is the most preferred way, but I've also dropped in my email address on the chat box so you can make it available to the participants as well. More than happy to have uh, conversations and answer any questions that the participants have. Okay, fearless. And more importantly, learn from our participants as well, right? So I'm sure they have amazing stories and experiences and it'll be absolutely fantastic to learn from them. 
So as y'all see there, Joel is fearless. Uh, so the <laughs> email is out there. You can also connect with Joel on LinkedIn. And hey, Ms. Peter, yes, the whole presentation, today's presentation will be available both on uh, on social, the video presentation, and the audio podcast will be uh, dropped in supply chain our podcast channels in the uh, coming days. All right, so Karsten, uh, you brought a truckload, maybe a couple truckloads of brilliance here today. How can folks connect with, uh, let's see, Carson Wuchler, Director Enterprise Performance with Deloitte. How can folks connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Also via uh, LinkedIn. That's yeah, the preferred way of communication. You, I hope you will find me easily uh, when you enter my name. And for sure, there's also business email attached to, and you can write me on our Deloitte mail. So happy to receive further questions and inquiries. I like how both y'all keep it easy. We need more. I th Allison, I think this came on our last conversation. We need more easy buttons in supply chain. None of it's simple, but the better we can at keeping things simple and focused, the better we all are. And the we more leave, it to, leave it to the engineers with the business backgrounds <laughs> right. to, to streamline it. Most, most stuff, Allison, most stuff. <laughs> um, all right. So Allison, right on time. Uh, so we really enjoyed this conversation with Joel and Karsten, but Allison, what is one, I've got my 17 pages of notes, but what is one key takeaway that our audience has to leave this conversation front of mind? Okay, so I'm going literary here. Uh, John Donne, the, the author, that No Man is an Island okay. poem. I'm thinking that no link in the supply chain is an island. And that's kind of where we're at. I mean, that's all the topics today surrounded around resiliency and collaboration and transparency and visibility and the fact that you can't operate in a silo anymore and be mm. successful. I mean, you, you can operate in a silo. You'll go out of business in a week. <laughs> but um, I, I think the key here is, yeah, you, you can't be alone in it all anymore. Even mm. whether or not you, if, if you like people or if you don't, you're going to have to work with them. So as, as manufacturers, <laughs> as supply chain, wherever you are in the link, you can't do it alone, period. Yeah. That is right. And especially if you want to grow, succeed, innovate, do it better, provide more opportunities across the ecosystem where truly everyone can win. Hey, uh, reach out to great partners. Um, all right. So with that said, I want to thank again, Joel Solomon with SAP. Joel, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Scott. Pleasure being here. Definitely. And Carson Wutzler uh, with Deloitte. Thanks so much for joining us, Carson. Thanks. Also a pleasure for my site. Y'all have a wonderful trip in Detroit. Allison, thanks all for always being a part of these conversations. Thank you, Allison. Absolutely. Great to meet you both and great, great conversation. So here's the thing, though, folks. You, all, you have plenty of choices out there. One choice is to take action or not take action, right? I would encourage you, hey, deeds, not words. Put it in a football and run with it. There's a better, better way. So with that said, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you, do good, give forward, be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.